Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 224, covering After Image and Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite. Friends, I would like to congratulate my esteemed co host here for. Finally cohabitating with his wife of a year and a half. It's about fucking time. It is indeed. So, uh, I mean, yes, welcome to America, but more importantly, welcome to your, like, your wife's house. Yes. And for the fifth to sixth time ever, this show is recorded exclusively in America. Right. Home of the brave, land of the Star Trek podcasts. I don't know. I know a lot of cowards in America. It's true. It, I mean, it you may yourself be... are a pacifist. Which is the same thing, according to you. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Because I'm a dick. <laughs> Bit of a dick. <laughs> so welcome to America, you filthy immigrant. Taking all your jobs. Are you? And your ketchup. No, you're not taking any jobs. You're, you're a filthy unemployed immigrant. That's, That's even true, worse. actually. Yeah. Immigrant ketchup. So on that cheery note, <laughs> why don't I tell you about the episode called After Image? This was foretold by the prophet Robotham in Post-Atomic Horror, Chapter 223. And lo, said Matt, we will probably get an episode focusing on new Dax soon. And so it came to pass! <laughs> For some reason, Esri's still here, just hanging around the workplace of her former host, tormenting her old friends and her still clearly grieving widower. Ben decides that the best thing for this situation is not what literally anyone else would think, send her far away to live her own life. No, he thinks she should stay on DS9 for good! In fairness, this place could use a good counselor, and if Starfleet ever produces one of those, they should immediately be sent here. To test her abilities, Ben sends Ezri to fix Garrick. Let's just stop and think about that for a minute. To his credit, Garrick actually seems to be holding back his stronger tendencies toward elaborate lie-weaving and straight-up cruelty. And naturally, Ezri takes this to mean that she completely fixed him with one five-minute conversation. So imagine everyone's shock and horror when we discover that this was not, in fact, the case. Meanwhile, Worf is angry and confused by the whole Jadzia Ezri thing, which makes total sense to me, but I imagine Matt has a real problem with it. I do. Especially since I can clearly see that in his notes. Anyway, Ezri threatens to quit Starfleet, but then changes her mind. Garrick more or less fixes himself, and Worf actually has a breakthrough, which Matt probably also hated. And Ezri decides to stick around after all. Also, she gets a promotion because, well, as far as I can tell, she gets a promotion because she's the captain's friend. Mr. Sisko, I believe you're becoming more Kirk every day. <laughs> So this was the, yeah, the, as I said, the obligatory, the, we, we knew this was coming. Here's a new character. Once we get all the yep. season premiere stuff settled, it's time to. Well, yeah, to, once that's out of the way, it's like, all right, let's see. Let's see what makes this character tick. Yeah, what have, what have we gotten ourselves into here? And uh, I like her. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, this, this is really my good thing. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not just that she's cute. I mean, that's that, that was your primary argument. Yep. It's a good place to start, but it, it, yeah. that's not how you make a good character. But she's actually a really good character. They could have fucked this up in so many ways, but they didn't. Like, they could have made her too much like Jadzia, mm -hmm. or t way incredibly different, but she's a solid mix of new character traits and just a hint of the old without feeling like they're trying to duplicate the old, and... She could she could also easily just be the flighty, wacky girl, like, easy to dismiss, oh, you don't belong here with the grown-ups, honey. Like, but she's not. 
She's she's there's some really depth there's some depth there. But I'm teaching you to get out break outside of your shell. Yeah, but I'm standing on the table. <laughs> like that's that's what she could there's a point there's a scene where she's standing on her head. Mhm. And it could be so here's the wacky like I I think manic pixie dream girl is really That's the yeah. the character type I'm going for here. She could so be that. Mm-hmm. And she's not. No. It, somehow it's like Ugh, why am I standing on my head? And Ben just goes, yeah, I was going to ask you the same thing. That's a really good question, old man. I uh, was wondering that myself. I just didn't want to be rude. Yeah. It's like, and part of it's the acting. Mm-hmm. Part of it's, you can see uh, Nicole DeBoer doing some sort of like Terry Farrell-ish stuff, but also not trying to be exactly like her. No. She's got Which, that Dax posture. Yeah, she's got her hands behind her back and sort of the, the calm, like, demeanor, but... Underneath, she's a fucking wreck. Oh, yeah. And I like that. And I like, also, again, she's, but she's not, like, the obvious, like, manic pixie dream girl, but she's also got problems. Like, mm-hmm. there's more to it than that. I, I don't know. I just, I like her. No, she's she's a good character. Yeah, and it's, it's a good way to explore what she's like and also explore what losing Jedzia meant to a bunch of different people. Mm-hmm. And I like that a lot. One to some people, it didn't mean anything. Well, that, like, I like that too. I like how different characters react completely. Like Quark treats her like she's exactly the same person. It's like, like hey, <laughs> you were in here last week. Is something he he says something like that? Yeah, it's been a couple of months, but you know what I mean. To which she replies, "Yeah, you still owe me ten strips of uh, latinum." To which she replies, uh, "No, no, you're a different person." That uh, that doesn't seem right. Yeah. But and then you got uh, well, your good thing. Yeah, my good thing. I love how sort of Ben just has sort of opened up and embraced Ezri. Like you can clearly see that he's like he's still missing Jedzia, but he's also been through this before with Curzon. Mm-hmm. Like he kind of has the whole oh my fr- my f- I'm f- best friends with the Trill. Uh, they're dead, but that doesn't that doesn't mean we're not friends anymore. Right. And he's just sort of ready to be all like yeah no, there's this new Dax in my life. I want you to be around now. Well, and the thing is that we've seen him go through this process once before. Like mm-hmm. we saw in early season one, the whole thing was, I knew you before. This is a little weird. And they didn't take too long with that. No. But it's like, we've already seen that arc. I'm glad they didn't insult our intelligence by doing it again. Like showing him doing this also means that they're not repeating themselves. Yeah. No, this is old hat for him. Yeah. And and it's like, yeah, this is, I know be- who this is. I I'm- understand. I'm gonna be friend with Daxes until they start until they start outliving me. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck, Ezri. Oh dear. Yeah. Um. And and then you got Worf, who who doesn't react so well. And I I know you had a problem with it. You're 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 just done with Worf, is the yep. thing. I think so. Done with Worf. His reaction, not even in just in character. I think they were pretty sensible. Like similar to how I would react. Like, come on, I just put this away. Why are you still here? I think avoiding her is completely in character. I th- what pisses me off is, that, like, the first thing he does when he sees uh, Julian and Ezri talking is go to sickbay to beat Julian up. I, true. That is, that is like, and the thing is, knowing myself, mm-hmm. in like, in that situation, I would probably would also get mad, but then I would have that, that presence of mind to say, why are you getting mad? That's yeah. stupid. And, and Worf doesn't have that. No, Worf's been in Starfleet long enough that he should know not to go beat someone up when he's upset. I, I will say to Julian's credit, like, Worf's got him up against the wall with his forearm pressed against his throat. Mm-hmm. And Julian's just grabbing his arm trying to make him, like... Just like let like, go! No, I don't have time with this. It. 
you're being an idiot. And I like that. I Maybe like... it is you who is the idiot, Doctor. But he's got a, you know, arguably the physically strongest guy on the station, like, threatening to kill him. Mm-hmm. He's like, get your arm off me. Stop it. Yep. You're embarrassing yourself and me. Yep. I just, I, I like that. It's very Julian. Like, he could get killed. Yep. But he's not going to do it by being scared. And he's no. probably terrified, but he's not going to show it. Bloody wolf. <laughs> but I don't know. Like, all of, all of Worf's reactions seem more or less, apart from that, seem sensible to me. And then he, you know, has that really great moment where he's like, you know what? This is really hard. And I'm going to have to keep my distance, but don't sacrifice your career on my account and I will learn to deal with this. And See, that was that was a good moment. I, I do like I do like him being all like his uh just listen, you can stay because I can't really do anything about that. Just I need space. Yeah, he doesn't say stay away from me. Like yeah. there's a there's a moment where he's just like this this is weird and mm-hmm. I eventually maybe I'll talk to you, but I need some time, all right? Well, and I think to his credit, the fact that he shows up at her welcome to the show uh, party. <laughs> right. I mean, promotion party. Right. Uh, I, really I, says something. He doesn't talk to her. No. But he, he's there. He does and, wave a cup at her. Yeah, he, he does the little cheers thing to her and it's, Which it's nice. maybe Odo? Hmm? That cup? Oh, yeah. No, because we just saw Odo. I still don't trust that cup. Typically, it would be Odo. Yes, uh, unless unless Kira to throw them off is walking like a like a a, a fake Odo around. <laughs> you know, like when Superman and Clark Kent would be in the same place. It'd oh, be sure. Like a Superman robot or something. So Odo was running back and forth really fast between. Uh... Oh no no no! I mean, like when Superman would have like a Superman robot. Oh yeah yeah yeah. To show up while Clark Kent was there. I really wish Odo had like Odo robots to. That's what tend, I'm saying. To tend to his bedroom of solitude. Some kind of Odo bots. Yep. Autobots, roll out. <laughs> Transform and roll out. Yeah, that would be great. Yep. And, you know, much better Transformers because, I mean, he's at least a triple changer because he yeah. can turn into a mouse and a cup. I can turn into a mouse, a cup, and a head. <laughs> no, he's not a headmaster. I know a lot about Transformers. Yeah, well, <laughs> and those of us who know about Transformers are trying to forget that thing you know. <laughs> We all agree that was a terrible idea. I talked to the guy who wrote those episodes, and he said, yeah, they gave me this stupid idea. He's like, yeah, we're going to make them turn into heads. What? That's Well, okay. Here's a big sack with a dollar sign on it. I guess I'll do it. Anyway, um, uh, what was your bad thing? There are long stretches of Garrick therapy in this episode that I just find so boring. Like, Esri, from the very second she starts to, she starts doing this to the final Garrick freakout when he just starts spilling everything that's wrong, uh, all it does is make her feel like uh, a shitty therapist. Mm-hmm. Like, it never feels like any of these revelations come out because Esri's a good therapist. It feels like if she hadn't come along at that moment at the end of the episode, it'd be all like, just checking in on you. If Julian or Cisco or fucking Morn had wandered in at that point, he'd still just be all like, I have to help the people of Cardassia. See, I, I don't know. I, I don't dislike that. Like, because she's not very good at her job, first of all. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that. I like, that's one of the things I've liked about this show. Like, the Starfleet guys are pretty good, but not all of them are necessarily the best of the best. Yeah. And I like that. But I like also that Garrick has reached the point where he's just got to tell someone. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just it, they, they didn't bother me. And like I said in my summary, I I feel like he was holding back a bit. I feel like like and a lot of oh this at is, the beginning, yeah, when he's all like uh, the fir- their first two or three, however many scenes they have before that big blow up, like 
the way Andrew Robinson plays it, you can tell there's restraint there. You can like tell he's he, desperately he to, trying not to be a dick. Because he wants to get his claws in. Like, like when somebody competent and level-headed wants to help him, like, like Julian, mm. he's still super catty. Yeah. But, like, you could tell, oh, God, this, this woman's going through a lot right now, and, and she, she could not handle full me. I better, I better dial it back a little. And it's, I like it. I just picture the phone call that uh, Cisco made. It's like, uh, Garrick, we really need you back to work. Yes, I'm aware. We're going to send the, sh- the station counselor down to give you a hand. We, we have, have a, a station. counselor. We have a counselor? How, wow. how am I just now hearing about that? <clears throat> no, it's the new chick. Uh, it's new Dax. Re- wow. Really? You're sending me the new Dax? Listen, you owe me. You made me a murderer. You owe me. I mean, all right. I guess I can talk to her. You will talk to her. Doctor. <laughs> no, no, it's Captain. I, uh, right, excuse me. I know who it is, Doctor. I'm going to go tear up some pants. Because I'm crazy. Tearing up pants. Yep. No, I don't know. The, and I didn't mention this in my summary. The big revelation is, like, he's the claustrophobia is a manifestation of the fact that he's all messed up because he's uh, selling out his people. Yeah, which is actually a really cool... Like, yeah, I never thought of that angle before. Yeah. Like, he's working for Starfleet to help bring down the Cardassian Empire, yeah. who he spent his entire career defending. Like, Garrick is nothing if not, a, a, like, a loyal Cardassian. Oh, he is super patriotic. Yeah. And, and to have him, like, now have to, like, do things that will get Cardassians killed. Yeah, like, I mean, his job before he got here was destroying Cardassia's enemies, and now he's working for Cardassian's enemies. Yeah. It's not good. No. And it's got it, like, particularly when you get into that super patriotism, that super chest-thumping, like, we're the good guys stuff. Mm-hmm. There, There's some deep, like, like programming that goes into some of that, particularly when you're in, like, the Obsidian Order. I yeah, imagine. no kidding. Like, we are the good guys. And so it must go really deep for him to have to betray that. Yeah. I like it. I, I like that that's what he's... And, and it gets to the point where he actually he tries to let himself out of an airlock. <laughs> you know, it's a good thing we double lock those things. Yeah, no kidding. No, I just I I I never thought about it like that. That yeah, if someone got like crazy claustrophobic and, and wanted mm. to get out, they might try to open a window. Just gotta go for a walk. <laughs> well you, you, um no. But that that ties into my bad thing, which is is a space station really the best place for a claustrophobic person? You're always indoors. There, there's a moment where Ezri, Ezri takes him to uh, the Hollow Suite to. Uh... Yeah, she she simulates nice open like outdoor things, and he knows the walls right there. You're not fooling anybody. Yeah, but like, there's a conversation they have where she's like, you know, you don't have to be here, and he's like, well, where would I go? Cardassia, Bajor, those are the only places in the universe. <laughs> That's where the list ends. Well. You know, I mean, look, we may not... have brought this up before in our rants about the the, uh, the the Maquis, but there are lots of planets out there. What? This has never come up before. You've been to some, Garrick. I I honestly thought you were all just weird looking Bajorans. You've been to other planets with us. Like clearly Worf has a severe birth defect, right? No, he's but a Klingon. That's just a, a, that's just a giant nose ridge that goes all the way up to his forehead. Yeah. And, and you, and you, Dax, you've got, like, a flat Bajoran nose and some, like, weird tattoos. Uh-huh. What is happening? And everyone else is a Cardassian. And now we have a counselor here? 
What is going on? Nobody tells me anything. <laughs> Remember when I was an intelligence officer and I knew everything about everyone? I have no idea what's going on. That's what really fucked him up. <laughs> he used to be plugged in. Like, he used to know what you were going to do before you did it. Yep. And now he, he's, like, not privy to anything. There's a ship docked here. Yeah, that's a Defiant. The what? <laughs> Come on, we got that four years ago. You've ridden on it, Garrick. I have done no such thing. You you served on it. You you sat in that position and provided us valuable intelligence while we were, like, doing stuff. We gave you a... We gave you a, a comm badge. A well, what? this is some obviously some kind of Cardassian war medal. Um, I, I back to the Esri stuff a bit. I like that she goes back to the place where uh, Jadzia was killed a couple of times. Uh huh. I, it just says a lot about her character that one, it's lingering in her mind, obviously, but two, she's not too scared. Mm -hmm. to, like, like it would be easy to write her as okay, she's little, she's meek, she's scared. Uh, I can't go in there, and that would be her arc is is facing up and going in there. I'm glad yeah. that wasn't a thing. No. Like I say, <laughs> it's a it's a hard line to walk with her because you could make her too wacky. You could make her too weak, mm -hmm. and they don't do that. I do like when uh, Kira comes in a couple of seconds later, and she just turns around and goes, I was killed here. It's a great yeah. conversation starter there, Dax. <laughs> that was a fantastic conversation between the two of them. It, it was. It was really good. It's, I don't know, it shows how Kira's changed, because she's still very blunt. Mm -hmm. She's still like, like, Esri says, this must be hard for you, you must miss her friend, and she's like, yes, it is hard. Yes, I do miss my friend. But she's mm -hmm. also sort of softer now. Yeah. And again, not weaker, just softer. And she's a little more compassionate. She's like, yeah, but you're here now, and I want to yeah. be your friend. But you seem fine. I still miss my friend. And Odo and I are going to ask you out to dinner at the end of the episode. Right, which is which is sweet. I like all that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then you got the size disparity between Ben and Esri, which oh, is not, man. not quite Jake and Nog levels, but it's still pretty substantial. I, Esri is very small. She, next to Kira, like yeah. the Kira stands a full head taller than she. Yeah, I like it. it like it me. she really does need to keep Nog around just to, so she can feel like a giant. Yeah, look, they make Starfleet uniforms smaller than mine. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, thank God. Yep. Um, what else? Uh, let's see here. I have a note that uh, she reminds me of Kate from Garfunkel and Oates. Yep, that's true. She does. Um, oh, that was my thing about the wharf thing. Mm. He's he's the only one on DS9 actually respecting the Trill custom of, like, move on with your life. Oh, yeah, can we talk about that for a second? Because it is a massive we, hole in the entirety of the last season of DS9. We, we did it a bit last week, but yes, let's, let's it's get just, more It doesn't make that. any sense. Like, we have this big, like, we had this big episode. I forget how long ago it was, but it would have been, like, in season three or four, I think. It was four. It was just after Worf showed up. Like, based around the fact that once a Trill's host has died, that tr that Trill moves on. Because otherwise, you know, you'd spend too, you'd, all, you'd spend all your time with your friends and your family, and you wouldn't yeah, be out there. Yeah, things get weird and complicated, and the whole point of the joining thing is to exper have different experiences and yeah. not just wallow in the same life forever. Yeah. So, like, what happens after Jedzia dies? Well, the first thing that happens is it... it that Ezri seeks out her best friend from her last life yep, and her previous life, so I guess there's some uh, precedence for that, uh, <laughs> and then goes to live at her old house. Yeah, the thing is, okay, I actually understand, like, I could have dealt with the fact that she showed up to talk to Ben, mm -hmm. 
and then because he was on his way to some crazy quest going along with him that one time. Yeah. Like, that made total sense. And I like, like, I, I don't know, I, I feel like they they should be allowed and it should be healthy, particularly when she died the way she died, to go back one last time and say, it wasn't your fault, everything's cool, yeah. that kind of thing. Like, that would be a nice way to get closure. But then you got to move on. It's it's going to DS9 and staying there that, that really is where this loses Yeah, me, it's like, how are we supposed to, you know, mourn when... Oh, hi, Morn. How are we supposed to grieve when uh, you're just there every day? Well, and that's what I was saying about Worf last time. It's like he goes through this whole thing like, okay, she's in Stovacor. It's cool. And then immediately. Hi, Worf. Here's Dax again. Son of a bitch. I tried. I really tried. Like, I got I got a little Worfy, but I'm trying, man. I'm trying to move on, and you're just not letting me. <laughs> And I'm gonna I'm gonna defend Worf a little because you you know I get I get that it's been an over like a, a, a comprehensive thing for you that it's you're just you've had enough cumulatively you've had enough mm-hmm. but I feel like in this particular grieving process he's actually being more or less you know like reasonable like he's gotten a little too violent but that's Worf yeah but but overall he's trying real hard to get rid of it and she, to get rid of this baggage like to to get on to move on mm-hmm. and. She is not making it easy for him. How's That's it going? Not his fault. I yeah. brought you some. Uh, I brought you some things we used to do together when I was alive. Would you? No, don't do that. Like I thought, was, later on we could talk about old times. Like I was thinking about this. Like I, I, I've been married once before. It mm. would be weird if I had to work with my ex-wife. Yep. Now, if she had died, that would be five hundred times worse. <laughs> I just, I can't even imagine. No, because it's, it's horrible. Yeah, it it's, you know, so I cut Worf a lot of slack for that stuff. You do not. Well, I'm done with him. I, I understand. <laughs> uh, we had some wacky uh, Ferengi ear humor. Uh, yeah. As we always do. Gotta yank something out of uh, Quark's ear, or, ear while he screams. Mm-hmm. And then it's like a big plant or something. No, it was a feather because he was getting some oh, yeah. feather umaks or something. He's getting an ear job. Yeah. Ears. Ears. <laughs> Remember ears. Get it? Because, uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, I do like when uh, Esri threatens to quit and Cisco's like, oh, what are you going to do? You're going to go become one of those, uh, the keepers of the symbionts back in the pools on Trill? Remember those losers? What a bunch of losers. I, I just, I love the contempt for those, like, for those guys. Yep. It's like, ugh, what are you going to do? Become one of them? That's gross. Why would yeah. you do that? Yeah, Yuck. You're better than that. Am I? <laughs> it's like I want to just... No, I, I think it'd be good to just spend the rest of my life uh, skimming a pool. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, knowing that these these worms are going to go on to do great things in, in their new hosts. Yep. And that I'll just be here forever. Yep. No, the, the, the pep top... The pep, pep top? The pep, pep talk top. that uh, Ben gives her is really good. It is. I or he's like just that. sort of because he's super. He's been super, super supportive through the entire thing. Yeah. And then she's just like, "No, I'm leaving Starfleet." And he's like, oh, "All right." And when she comes back and says, "I'm not, I'm not leaving Starfleet," and he's like, "Well, I'm not sending this because I never sent the other one because I fucking know better." <laughs> yeah. It's like I knew you were in there. I just I knew the Dax symbiote was in there somewhere. You just gotta wait you out. Yeah. No, and and I give. I, I give both Avery Brooks and uh, Nicole DeBoer a lot of credit for somehow managing to 
pick up with this long established relationship with an entirely new person. Mm -hmm. Like these two have acted opposite each other in now three episodes. Yep. And I completely bought this friendship. Oh yeah, they deep. fold. They like they sort of click back together again, just awesomely. Yeah, so. and and Avery Brooks, like it's one thing to just say, okay, I'm gonna pretend she's Terry Farrell, but it, there's more to it than that. Mm -hmm. You got to have chemistry. Yeah. And the other person's got to give you something to feed on, and and she totally does that. Like, she's, I don't know. It would be very easy to dismiss her. I think. Yeah. And I want to call attention to the fact that she's actually really good. Because mm -hmm. uh, she's not as good. At, like there was a lot of. You know, back when this happened, a lot of, uh, she's not Dax. I hate her. I don't like new mommy. You know, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're going to expect that. Like, <clears throat> when, uh, when Terry, like, when Terry Farrell left the show, they made a conscious decision to not lose the Dax symbiote, basically. Right. It's like, we're still going to have a Dax on the show. Like, they could have easily brought anyone. Like, any. Yeah, they could have just replaced her with another character, not a Trill. I mean, honestly, it would have been easy to just say, yeah, we got a new, uh, counselor transferring in. Yep. And, you know, just same character, not a trill. But, but you know, they made us... they decided to keep Dax around and, you know, went into that sort of expect, okay, people are going to, you know, people are going to be pissed off about this. So we got to make we got to make them like Ezri. Right. And, and so I far, I think they've a really done good a pretty good job. I think so. Yeah. I also think um, like this creates and I've said this before, this creates like conflict and, and drama. Be inherent in the situation of oh god Dax is still here like yeah. it gives Worf some nice conflict it gives Cisco a best friend again it gives uh, Bashir and Quark who who thought you know oh she's the one who got away like oh maybe there's a second chance maybe she's the one that came back and they're a little creepy about it in this one yes they are they have a creepy little like I bet I could get her in bed first and I wish they hadn't done that yeah but, I could have uh, done without that I expect that kind of thing from Quark but, uh, yeah, but having but Julian like, play along is gross you're on yeah but yes I haven't I haven't fought a man to have sex with a woman for a while that sounds like fun that sounds like something that we enlightened future people do. Mm-hmm. All the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm from England. <laughs> Did you know that? Oh, and then, uh, although speaking of creepy, this was actually cuter than creepy because he didn't go anywhere with it. Mm. At the very end, uh, at her little promotion party, Jake's like, she's cute. <laughs> and Cisco's like, no. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. This is weird enough. Yeah. No. I feel like if newspapers still existed, he would whap him on the nose with it. Yep. <laughs> no. I just I want to see. Jake. I want to see that so badly. Just like what Jake trying to put the moves on Ezri. Ezri, you want to do something later? Jake, I changed your diapers. <clears throat> that was two lifetimes ago. Yeah. Plus, I watched you. I knew you through puberty. Yep. So no. Yeah. But the thing is, Ezri's got to be in her early twenties, right? Like, she's yeah, not like that old. her very early twenties. Like she is just out of Starfleet. Yeah, she's an ensign who just gets promoted to a. I guess a just at a Starfleet one. medical too. So, I think she does. She's not a proper doctor though. So I, no, sure. I don't. I don't know. I I I assume counseling is a branch of Starfleet medical. Well, I know, but probably not a great branch from what I've seen so far. I don't know. I just I like getting digs in at Troy, but uh, I don't. Well, know. that's because be yeah, that's because they wrote her badly. Mm -hmm. That's nothing to do with Marina Sardis. <laughs> um, no, I I just. I, I feel like maybe 25 at the oldest. Yeah. And Jake's 19 or 20 at this point, so there's not even that much of an age disparity. No, honestly, really. this, like, yeah. I could totally and, see that if, and you know. And ben, ben says, you know, she's 300 years too old for you or something like that. 
not that's not how you, like I get it. I get it and it's funny and I like yeah. the moment. But that's not how it works. Yeah. You don't count the symbiont or else she'd be off I mean, limits to everybody. She was also ever, 300 right? years too old for Worf if you want to get into it that way. Yeah. And Curzon was messing around with women way way too young for it. Yep. You know, like and so on and so on. Like you can't count that way or it doesn't work. Yeah. No, I think it's just uh, it's shorthand for no don't do it Jake, that's gross. Yeah. No, and I like that. Like yeah. I like the scene. I just, you know. But, but if you really think about it, you know, mm-hmm. she's cute. There, there's not much of an age difference. Nope. And, you know, maybe maybe it could work. Who knows? I'm a journalist. Ooh. <clears throat> I mean, we don't know a lot. Like, the thing is, we're reading a lot of what we knew about Jadzia into Esri, but there is an independent person there yes. named, named Esri who was a person before this all happened mm-hmm. that we don't know a ton about. No. Like, we don't know what her interests are and what she planned to do with her life and all that, and, like, who knows? Yeah. Anyway, that's about all I got for this one. What about you? Uh, I like, uh, apparently Cisco's office has two emergency exits. <laughs> we thought, we both made the same note that the, the, he's, his doorbell's ringing, and he goes and no one's there. And it's, it's like, like oh, it's Better not this, be a fucking ghost again. Is, is this a ghost like Picard had that time? No, it's just Esri coming in through the back door, which yeah, I guess... there's a side door. Oh, hmm. Okay, I didn't know that this one had a doorbell. I didn't know this thing opened. Oh, yeah, Quark used to use it back during Prohibition to run rum between uh, <laughs> this office and his bar. Huh. All right. It's odd that's never come up before. Yeah, I usually don't use it. I usually just use the side tunnel that also goes into your office. How many ways can you get into my office? Okay, I'm going to need a lot of bricks. <laughs> oh, and we find out, uh, this leads into my quote. We find out in in one of those nice impassioned scenes between uh, Ben and Esri that um, Worf was always very intimidated by Cisco. I think that's I really funny. Yeah. And even, like, Cisco reacts the same way we did. It's like, what? <laughs> Seriously? Ha! <laughs> That's hilarious. The thing is, he is a very imposing guy when he wants to be. Oh, yeah. Like, he's super friendly and charming when he wants to be, but when he turns on, the, like, I've said this before, before about Growly Cisco. Yep. He gets, like, super, you know... I mean, I think it's sexy, but that's a that's a whole other thing. <laughs> I just picture Worf coming out of uh, that mission where Jedzia almost died, and Worf goes back for her. Ooh! It just comes out of the, his office, going, "I am never going to piss that guy off again." Yeah, I mean, it was bad when Picard would say, "I'm disappointed in you," but I uh, just, oh Jesus Christ! That guy just yelled at me. Oh, never again! I I didn't. I mean, humans have never yelled at me before. I I didn't think they they could intimidate me. What aren't I hell? big and aren't I big and scary? What the hell happened in there? Well, he's got more pips than you, and he earned them. Ooh. Yep. Uh, but but then <laughs> there's a nice callback to that in a, in a following scene, which is uh, when Esri says she's going to stay, and it's this. It means a lot to me that you want me to stay, but I can't. Because of war? Mostly. Well, you just say the word, and I will intimidate him for you. <laughs> which I love. All right, so moving forward now to... Oh, here's here's one where the title actually means something. It's definitely one we'll be able to remember later. I'll give you that much. Yes, which is taking me out to the Hollow Suite. A new evil has arisen in the galaxy, and it's one Cisco knows well. Worse than the Dominion, the Cardassians, even the Borg, a foe who has tormented Cisco since his days at the Academy. His name is Solok, and he is a total asshole. 
A Vulcan captain with an all-Vulcan crew, Solak has spent his life justifying his gross racism towards humans by constantly picking on Sisko and also writing mean science papers about him. But this time, he's gone beyond the pale. He has assembled an, assembled an elite squad of Vulcan warriors with one goal. Beat Sisko at baseball. Which would be fine, except that there are maybe three people in DS9 who have actually played baseball. I'm giving Nog extra points here because that dude must have been to at least a couple of games with Jake. Most of the Niners are able to step up reasonably well, except Rom, who runs like a duck, so Cisco cuts him. Which upsets everyone terribly for a couple of minutes before Rom says it's okay that he got cut, he's actually pretty fucking terrible. Which is true, but still rude. Anyway, game day rolls around and the Niners get their asses kicked like it's fucking rocky, but Rom gets to play and Cisco learns that winning isn't everything, and I learn that baseball can be less boring if everyone is wearing alien makeup. I'm gonna have to disagree with you there. This is a slightly less boring. Still boring, though. Yeah. Also, I don't know how baseball works. I, I have enough of an idea of how it works to follow this episode, but mm-hmm. I just... Uh... See, for you, it's the national pastime. For me, it's just that thing that's not also not hockey. For you, it's a Thursday? Yeah. The thing is, we call it the national pastime, but people here care way more about football, I would say. Yeah. And possibly ba- a basketball also. Yeah, I've seen that very popular here. I know. I, I'm, I would definitely say with, with confidence that people care more about football overall than baseball. I have met several people who are super into baseball, though. Oh, so. we know some. Yeah. Some friends of ours are super into baseball. Yeah. But Which, I mean, you know, fine. The thing is, and, and we see a bit of this in this episode, baseball lends itself toward uh, nerds. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very statistics-heavy, very, like, like you hear all these crazy, this guy has only ever used an aluminum bat on a Thursday on a yep. field with artificial whatever. And mm-hmm. I almost said artificial turf. I guess they don't have that in baseball. I don't know. Maybe I they think do. they do, actually. I don't know. I'm going to say this right now. We will probably misspeak when it comes to sports because we know fuck all about sports. Yes. Don't correct us. We don't care. No. Did you know that this and this is actually what, how baseball is played? I did not know that, nor do I care. Still don't care. No, but, but my point is a lot of very nitpicky. The reason I felt the need to say that is because a lot of very pedantic people like things like Star Trek also like baseball. Mm-hmm. They're very similar in that regard. And, and you know, we get some fun scenes where these guys are trying to learn and just like, the complicated rules and like, what? What? <laughs> I actually like that everyone sort of takes to the actual rules and stuff pretty well. Like, you're talking about a crew of, you know, pretty smart people. Yeah, and almost none of them are from Earth. Yeah. So it's, it's foreign to all of them. Like, <laughs> Worf is the only one that actually grew up, like, may have grown up with this. Yeah, and he clearly does. Football was his sport. Right. I think well, we know that, actually. Uh, so- I mean, uh, European football, soccer, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, because he, like, hurt a kid real bad in a, in a soccer game when he yeah. was a kid. Yeah. Which makes sense. He's from Russia, so, I mean, that's, you know, mm-hmm. they'd be more into that and probably not into the American sport. Yeah, not, probably not so much. Yeah. Um, But I uh, overall, like, they, they do a decent job, I'd say, of, of keeping the completely non-sports inclined people like us. Mm. engaged in what's going on. Yeah. So. I, you know, I I pretty much like this episode. I had a lot of small problems with it, but they're almost all small problems. Yeah. Like, like I think it would have been I think it would have been suited better later in the season. No. Um, I don't think it really matters. Like, you know, I think it would have been a good sort of uh, breather episode between two of the like, you know, some heavier episodes later down the line. Um I I do remember like my memory is of this being much later in the season. Yeah. 
No, I told I was shocked when I found out we were doing this one this week. Yeah. Um. Partly, uh, but, be, partly because I wasn't expecting it, and partly because I thought Brian was going to do it. Uh, he uh, is apparently unavailable uh, for this recording, but also mm. he had another episode in mind. I asked him about that because I thought yeah. the same thing. Uh, Brian, our regular guest, Brian Lynch, uh, is a teacher in his day job, and uh, he showed. I I think it was toward the end of the year, and he had a little extra time to to show the kids some 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 TV or movies or whatever. And he, for whatever reason, he decided to show them this because he thought it would like. One, it, it wasn't heavy and super dark, and two, it, it wasn't connected to a bunch of stuff that you needed to know. Yeah, and three, kids like ROM. Well, that's what he found out, mm-hmm. was the kids love ROM. Yeah. And, uh, huh. What a, what a coincidence. My bad thing is I hate ROM. <laughs> he was doing so well. No, he had a brief run there, but he was already getting bad again. We, we, we loved you for a while, ROM. You, I you, wouldn't say love. You, you did it. He did some good stuff, yes. You were justifying your stupid, stupid character, and then... He went right back. Yep. Yep. Uh, But specifically, like, okay, he does typical ROM shit, and I'm not just going to call out that because I've done that a bunch of times before. It's the wacky tuba music when ROM was about to do something stupid. (laughs) Yeah, that is exactly it. I've spent seven seasons with this character. I don't need a tuba to tell me he's about to do something stupid. I know. (laughs) It it was just it was a bit too much. <laughs> like okay, you know you got your you got your whimsical score that's different than your usual sort of action pack score or your your sort of moody stuff, but it's it was still just a bit over the top. I um, and as you say, he runs like a duck. He, oh man, you don't listen. I know that I know that you have to use all main characters for this thing because you know. Yeah, you don't want to have, like, Cisco's baseball team be a bunch of Starfleet guys we've never met before. Yeah, but, you know, like, when you when you look at your at your crew of guys and you end up, and you get to the end of the line, and there's this guy who runs like a duck, <laughs> um, maybe, you know, maybe uh, give Eddington a call, see what he's doing. <laughs> hey, you want me to break you out for a day? <laughs> I actually, at one point, I'm like, is he going to call Martok to come be on the team? Because I well, think Martok says, would be down for that. He says, I know exactly who I can call. And yeah. they cut to a ship docking at the pylon. And for a minute, you think, like, oh, maybe it's a Klingon ship. Nope. nope. It's Cassidy. <laughs> it's Cassidy. And actually, that's my good thing. Um, yeah. We've complained a lot about Cassidy over the course of reviewing the show. She's barely around. The actor isn't at the same level as Avery Brooks or anyone else in the cast. She'd be, she can be kind of a busybody when it comes to Ben's emissary stuff, <laughs> but she's actually really good in this one. Yeah. Her interest in baseball was established a while back, so it isn't a sudden out-of-nowhere thing. Like, that's where they bonded. That's where they met. Like, mm. And it wasn't going well until he realized she was into baseball, and that was their thing. Yep. And that was like season two or three, so it, it's well-established. Oh, yeah. I forgot she was into baseball. Yeah. Remember they went to go see the Fighting Gorn or Right. Whatever. No, her, her brother was playing on... Uh... Cestus Three. Yeah. Uh, and with Dax gone, she's the closest person to Ben now. Mm-hmm. So she's the one who has to get the answers out of him. And she even does some playful Dax. I'm not supposed to tell you this, but I'm telling you anyway. Yeah. Like he has this soulful confession to her. I, I knew this guy in the academy and he, he humiliated me. And then he continued to humil- humiliate me. So it's personal for me. Please don't tell the others. And then immediately smash yeah. cut. So her. this is why he's so mad. I'm not supposed to tell you this, but I'm telling you anyway. Yeah. And it's 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 very Dax, mm. but it's like okay, Esri's not quite ready for that yet. <laughs> and I feel like Cassidy had that in her anyway. It just I don't know. I I like it. Mm. And 
Um, I still do feel like she's the weakest link in this giant cast. Yeah. But I can't deny this was a good Cassidy episode. Yeah. No, if 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 losing Dax means that we're going to get some, uh, you know, like finally get some good Cassidy stuff, I'm pretty okay with that. I mean, I don't think it's worth losing Dax over. Like, I, I'm not, I was if I had a choice. Well, yeah. Okay. Ben's girlfriend can be a better character if we lose this great primary character. No, I'm not interested. But I mean, like, it, it, she, if, if since she's gone, we can use this as an excuse to get Cassidy to step up as a character. Yeah, to put her, like, because the thing about a lot of characters is, like, and we said this in Next Gen a lot, some actors and some character types really only work in kind of a narrow range. Yeah. And I, I actually, we've said this about uh, Sidig as well. Like, he can be kind of a weak actor, and notice he's not doing a lot of evil stuff anymore. Yeah. Like they'd had him trying to do early on, because he's not good at it. I'm an evil person. Uh, it's it's smug and and flirty. Like yep. those are, that's kind of his range. That's from, his deal. From flirty to smug and anywhere in between there. Yep. And and Cassidy's kind of kind of playful, a bit of a jerk, but cares about Ben. Like mm. that, that's where she works. Like when she's got to agonize over something, he's going through that. Like oh Ben, <laughs> like that's not great. When she's olive oiling. Yeah, but when we see her as, like, sort of casual, like... Yeah. It's like, okay, I get it. No, and they're they're a bit... They're a bit sort of playfully adversarial. Mm-hmm. And that works, because you feel like that's the kind of person he would he would be with. Oh, yeah, totally. Not someone who's just, like, got hearts in her eyes and, and doing, you know, like, oh. everything he says, but, but someone who's going to stand up and kind of give him a hard time sometimes. Yeah. It feels more like his kind of woman. Like, I feel like Jennifer was supposed to be like that, too. Mm-hmm. And, unfortunately, we never got a lot of that out of her, either. Well, no, not really. But, in fairness, mostly we've seen Mirror Jennifer. So. Um, but, no, I, I just, like... You talking this about is... Jake's great love? Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. But this this here is Cassidy's sweet spot. She was, she was good in this episode, yeah. and she was an important part of it. No, we, if they keep using her like they used her in this episode, you know, we might actually get her cleaned up by the end of the season. Yeah course uh without spoiling specifics i do know that she does the the, the oh ben i know mm-hmm. i know that happens again in the finale so yep because just just speaking broadly there's some big shit that happens in the finale that she's got to worry about and boy does she worry yep but we'll get there but uh, no i straight up she's my good thing for the first time oh nice yeah well done cassidy yeah well dacity so what else uh so my good thing yes i really like the team bonding in this episode i think there's some great uh everyone coming together and uh getting along stuff like i like how the niners sort of unite to fucking take out the this to attempt to take out this Vulcan team Uh i like uh i like quark getting in there which makes no sense um, but they play it up like I I'm not gonna do this this stupid human thing you, you you have fun Rom but I'm not doing it and then he's there yeah I genuinely believe that Quark heard about this and was like man I want to play baseball that sounds fun yeah how can I do this without losing my Quark coolness okay so first I've got to complain like I always do all right I got a bad mouth Rom check did that but then when they try to talk me into it I'll actually let them yes <laughs> actually Lita has a great line. <laughs> Where she's like, yeah, Captain Sisko told us this is a game of heart, and you sold yours a long time ago. <laughs> and that's how she says it, too, very sweetly. Like, yep, it's really uh, it's, it's really good. She's another character that, not a ton of range, but when yep. they find that right spot, 
because she can be kind of mean. Yeah. And using her cuteness to be mean is where she works best. I think, I mean, that's the thing. You, you work for Quark and without letting it beat you down. Like, I think that's yeah. the kind of thing you sort of have to get used to. Yeah, we've seen some double girls who are not big on dignity, but she, she definitely has yeah. some. So, yeah, that works. Um, I really like the scene at the end after the Niners have all gotten their asses kicked. And they refuse to be, and they refuse to be upset about it. I I didn't like that. This, I I know it drove you nuts for some reason, but I thought it was great. I don't know that it would. It, it didn't drive me nuts, like say you to a shovel. Why would you do that to me? <laughs> I just I want to I want to calibrate the scale for going nuts. That's going nuts. I was a little bugged, but I wasn't like Matt shovel bugged. Anyway, no, I um like I just, I, the the Vulcans like, but you lost. I know, yay, we we're idiots. Yeah, but you lost. Yeah, it's great. It fucking it. You can see how much it is driving Solak up the wall. Like he wants it this. Was... He so badly has this set up in his head. He's like, all right, I haven't seen this guy in a while. I gotta dock at his station. Okay. All what you Vulcan to guys to get together. This? I'm going to introduce you to baseball. You're going to get amazing at it. I'm going to challenge this dude to a baseball match. We are going to wipe the floor with him. It is going to be one more, just one more check mark in my driving this asshole that I hate crazy. He finally, like, he gets there. He, it's all going according to plan, and he actually wins. And for fucking once, Ben's just like, "All right, you won. Yeah, but aren't you mad? No, it was fucking great. We had a good time." No, but that's not how they played it. He he never really acknowledged that they won. He's basically like, "We won because we're humans!" Yay! Like that's <laughs> not a that that's not a victory. You didn't win. You still lost. Yeah. No, I still think it's awesome. Uh, I like that they didn't win. Just rubbing his face in it. Uh, I just I I I was with the Vulcan guy. Like, but you lost. You you still lost. So, I don't. Why are you happy? Stop it. Stop <laughs> Stop being good losers. But there it's it's I would say it was bordering on unsportsmanlike to just not even acknowledge that you lost. All right, I'll take that too. You're supposed to say good game. Here, shake my hand. Oh, too slow. Yeah, just I don't know. Nope, I thought it was hilarious. Well, fair enough. I also I really 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 like the uh the Niners baseball logo. Yeah, I know you did. Um it's basically uh it's a little silhouette of DS9 next to a, uh, a ba- like a big baseball, mm-hmm. but it also looks like it's DS9 next to a planet and one of the, uh, what the fuck are they called? Pylons. One of the pylons sort of forms the stitching on one side of the baseball. Yeah, because it's like a crescent curve. <laughs> yeah. It it's angled about the same way that the stitch of a baseball is. So yeah, it it, it blends nicely. Yeah, it's a great design for something that they use once. Yeah, <laughs> well, once for about twenty minutes out of the forty-five minute episode. Yeah. So yeah, like, that was, like, that's a baseball cap I would buy. You could, I'm sure they exist, mm-hmm. and if not, I'm sure somebody at least makes them on Etsy. But there's oh, probably sure. an official one. Um, and if not that, then I'm sure our friend Tedro is like working on one right now. But um, no, I, I I feel like that's one of those things where the prop department is like, finally, I don't have to design yet another ray gun. Here's yeah. something fun. This is cool. Yeah. So that was cool. they just hey can you make a like a logo like that the Deep Space Nine crew would wear if they were playing baseball? Yeah. Yeah, sure. We can absolutely do that. Um, let, let's go back to the to the Vulcan guy though. All right. 
his whole racist thing, like his his the cornerstone of his thing, and we've seen this from Spock from day one. Yeah. The whole Vulcans are superior to humans, and we're going to see this a lot in Enterprise. Oh, yeah. Because the angle they decide to take on Vulcans is is way like this. Yeah, Vulcans are all assholes. And, okay, but I for a minute, I thought of this in terms of, what if this was a, a smarmy white guy talking to a black guy like yeah. this? Or any, you know, any combination of two races from Earth. Mm-hmm. Like... Uh, my race is superior to yours, and I'm going to write an academic paper saying that white people are better. You would be thrown out of college for Not that. Not just one, but like this is the according. Oh, to he's Cisco, made his career on this. This is the theme of his entire career as a yeah. scientist. Yeah, and and it's like, dude, you you can't do that. Yeah, like I said, you'd be thrown out of college for that, or I hope you would be. I, right? I feel like about si- how feel- your race is superior to other races. I feel like Cisco went to d- dispute it, and the entire uh, the board the board at Starfleet Academy was made up of all Vulcans. Going, I don't see what the problem is. Yeah, I I see no problem with this. This guy's facts, I'll check out. You are being emotional because this paper proves that you are uh, you are inferior. Mm-hmm. That is clearly what's going on here. My thing is just like I, I like I would like to see other Vulcans at so- like at this at this late point in Solok's career going really. You're still writing about this wrestling match from when yeah, you this, were in. This, this dude's a captain. Yeah, this they dude is a, a captain, point. a celebrated war hero. Yeah, they, he. There's a great bit at the very beginning where you think this is just a normal rivalry between two equals, mm-hmm. and not a guy being a total dick. Yeah, where he's like, ah, oh, here you got the Christopher Pike medal, which is a nice callback, by the way. Yeah, uh, I I just received my second one last week. Yeah, fuck you. But that that shows he's he's. As accomplished as Cisco, plus a little bit more. Yep. And he's still fixated on this bullshit. Yep. But seriously, just thinking about it in terms of of real races that we know now, it just, it sounds awful. But now it's like, uh, oh no, it's a Vulcan, so it's funny. No. Star Trek is supposed to teach us that racism is bad. It's not. It's still pretty racist. It is. And the thing is, our guys are still like, let's beat this Vulcan. Let's show them that Vulcans aren't as good as we are. It's almost as bad. Yeah. You know, it just, it, I don't know. It's weird that the show does that so much, that it fixates so much on, you know, mm-hmm. defining a race, like de- defining people by their race and pitting the races against each other. That just it seems like a bad idea. It's not really Star Trek. Also, well, really. I mean, it is. And... You know, in fairness, Vulcans have always been like this. Well, yeah. And Vulcan, like, I guess Vulcans are still allowed to have all Vulcan ships. Yeah. Like, we had that in the original series. That's that's really weird. I, again, think of it in terms of... But I guess, of, like, if you're you know, a founding... I guess if you're a founding Federation member, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, but if there was a ship of all humans that requested to be all human, mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be messed up. Yeah, yeah. It's like really no, uh, no, no one, huh? No, yeah. we're good. No, Humans. Vul- Vulcans need not apply. Wow. Okay. <laughs> no Vulcans allowed. Yep. Uh, we got what else? Uh, let's move away from maybe some of those uh, darker subjects. Yes. Um. There. My bad thing. Mm-hmm. There's this. There's this scene like where. Uh, one of the Vulcan players doesn't get tagged out by Nog, and then he runs into the stands, or I guess it's called the dugout. He runs uh-huh. into the dugout and has to 
like he can't figure out which of the Vulcans he's supposed to tag because they all look the same, and he just has to tap random members until one of them runs oh, away like it's a fucking it Benny Hill sketch. Yep. It takes like twenty fucking minutes, and it's like I get that the whole episode's supposed to be comedic, but like man, this shit is interminable. I think it's worse just when on and on and on. Should I? What about this guy? Nope. Maybe it's the next one then. Well, it's surely this one. And he, Nog keeps looking back. He's like, what should I do now? Well, tap someone else, you idiot. It's got to be one of them. Mm-hmm. And there's only six of them. So keep going. Just tap them until you get them all, man. Like, Yeah. I, I, I would say it was worse uh, with, with some of the ROM stuff just because, okay, he's up to bat. You know he's going to get two strikes before, like, so many things we knew were going to happen, and they just took so long yep. to happen. It's like, get on with it. Yeah. And then it's he just, accidentally it's... bunts by holding the the bat up, like, while they throw. Just, yep. Ah. But even that shouldn't work, because then he stares at it for, like, thir- like, 30 minutes. Like, what should I do now, brother? Yeah. Run, stupid. You know the rules. Yep. But I would say, overall, uh, the comedy landed more than it didn't. No, I think like there's a lot. There's still a lot I like about this episode, and I like that this show can do these occasional quiet episodes where there is no deadly danger, where it's all about one character's goal: is he going mm-hmm. to achieve his goal or not? And that's it. It's like I was thinking about Explorers uh, when I saw this one because it's a similar thing. Where uh, that's when they built the uh, the the solar sail ship. Yeah, yeah, and that that's it. The whole thing is Cisco wants to do a thing. Will he do it or not? And that's the whole episode. Yeah. There's no. There's no threat. There's no, like, mortal danger. It's just about will he achieve his goal, and good drama's built on that. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't always have to be a hostile, you know, outside force. Now, if Wayun and a crew of uh, Jem'Hadar soldiers had come to the station to play uh, baseball... We will settle like, this war. <laughs> like it was fucking... Like it was fucking Space Jam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the Jem'Hadar are, like, particularly big and, you know, hulking. Yep. Yeah. This war is what raged on long enough, Cisco. We challenge you to the game of your people. Baseball. Yep. Actually, I would be pretty okay with that. Oh, uh I, I was about to say and then uh Bill Murray could come out and be the umpire, but no, that he would even then not be as good an umpire as the one we had in this episode. Oh, man, Odo like I could not pick a better umpire of anyone in the entire world than Odo. Yep. He's so fucking it, This is my quote. First of all, so. All right, let's hear that. When he throws uh, Cisco out of the game. Mm-hmm. You stole the run from us. You stole it just as if you reached up and tore off the scoreboard. You stole it from us. You. You're out of here. What? No player shall at any time make contact with the umpire in any manner. The prescribed penalty for the violation is immediate ejection from the game. Rule number 4.06, subsection A, paragraph 4. Look it up, but do it in the stands. You're gone! And I just, I, I love, like, Cisco has a bright, bright idea to just, like, well, look, there is no one I know who is more who is more likely to be an impartial uh, yeah, judge cap- of what's happening capable, yeah, exactly. than you. And Odo fucking throws himself into, into, the, into it. The thing is, I feel like... The changelings, because they're changelings, because they like to disguise themselves as different things, when they are faced with the task of becoming something else, they really embrace that. Mm-hmm. And 
he really like wants to be an umpire. Like, you know, how I always talked about, I never understood what it was like to be a bird. It's the same thing. Yeah. I'm going to see what it's like to be an umpire. Yeah. Now I understand. <laughs> and he's so good. He, at, uh, and, and also Renee's voice lends itself perfectly to that whole, you're out. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. He's got a bit of a Brooklyn accent. Yep. Well, you can't I mean. see it, but I imagine he uh, makes his pants just a little low, so he's got that ass crack going on. <laughs> but then there's also the, like, every time you do baseball jokes, you have to do the yelling at the umpire and the kicking the dirt. Mm. And, like, okay, these must be hilarious to baseball people, but I don't really get it. I do like uh, I do like Cisco's delivery of, it, m- it might have been as if you took the point, point off the board and stole it with your hand. <laughs> yep. It's like, oh. The thing is, Avery Brooks does this great thing where, like, sports Cisco is a little different. He's the same guy, but he's got a different cadence. He's got different slang. Like, everything. Mm -hmm. Like, let's see some chatter out there. Here we go. And it's like, oh. I guarantee fucking. Yeah. I guarantee fucking to you that Cisco at one point coached uh, Jake's Little League. Yeah. uh, I don't think that that's true. And the reason why is because Jake still enjoys playing baseball with his father. <laughs> so obviously that didn't happen. He was having fun here. <laughs> All right. Uh, Anything else? Um. Oh, I had one more note here. Solok really puts the dick in iDick. <laughs> that's all I have. That's pretty good. Anything else? Um. No, I think that's everything. Very well. Well... Next week, we do the same thing again. I don't think there's anything particularly special coming up, except, you know, Deep Space Nine, which is special. Yep, so special. Just just, just looking at titles here, and I don't fucking know. I give up. Yeah. Um, But that's about it. Oh, uh, coming up again, I've, I mentioned this before. I will be mentioning it quite a bit. Uh, August 22nd, we will be recording episode 236, which is the first Voyager episode, live uh, in yep. Seattle at the Pocket Theater. Yep. Um details to follow soon but uh if you're if you're looking at being in seattle around that time or near seattle uh you you should come check us out because uh it's it's kind of a big deal for us Mm -hmm. and it's a good jumping on point because we'll be starting a whole new thing yep Uh, be there what's that be there please do and with that please now for the first time from your american home say your thing see you folks The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.